Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore, and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise, or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. That's audibletrial.com slash Darrow, and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family, or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. Welcome back, friends, to season six here at the Do Something Beautiful podcast. And once again, this is a special season because I have my fantastic husband, Ricky, with me. How are you doing, Ricky? Good. Okay. Are you ready to do another episode? I am. I cannot tell you how long it's taken us to get just a second one going here. Yeah. Well, you know, we're kind of busy. Kind of. <laughs> Got to find people to watch those kids. I know. <laughs> those darn kids. It has. We, um, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's amazing. You are my most difficult guest to pin down for an interview. And yet I live with you and sleep in the same bed with you. I know. It's awkward. It's kind of awkward and funny at the same time. Well, I am kind of avoiding it a little bit, but you kind yeah, of Yeah, I don't know me, why so. you are, because it is, this is fun, Ricky. I know. I'm I like having, talking to I'm you. I'm having fun. Do you not like talking to me? I love talking to you. Yeah, okay. All right. Sure he does, right? Sure he does. Yeah, I think he does. Most of the time. Okay, so what we've decided to do with this episode is we realize that people continue to go back to the Instagram post that I posted saying that you were going to be on, right? Yeah. Okay. Are you paying attention? I'm paying attention. I'm trying to find questions. Okay. Anyways, so we decided we were like, you know what? Let's just go back to that Instagram post and we are going to select questions from the comments and we're going to answer your questions. You have, there's a variety of different questions. There's over 100 comments. We may or may not do this again, depending on kind of, I guess, how many how many episodes we get into this fantastic season of This Is Us, Lee and Ricky, but we will see. Right now, we're going to start with answering some questions. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start with one question first, okay? 
are you going to ask me the question? Like, is the question for me or is it for you? As I mentioned to you this before we started this episode, I'm just going to pick a question. This one that I'm picking actually happens to be directed just to you. Oh, but they, okay. But they don't have to. When No, when I like that game. I'm going to find one for you because then I can make it like... Okay, whatever. Okay, fine. Hard. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first question that I'm going to give Ricky from the comments and Instagram that are here is from Lynn Darrow, which happens to be my mother, just for the record. Okay, so... Gosh, what did she ask? So Lynn Darrow, my mama, she asked you, she says, Ricky, when you were a little boy, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, that's easy. Well, this then, will be a short answer. Well, then then share it. Okay. Ricky. I wanted to be an astronaut or an astronomer. An astronaut? Yeah. Ever since I was little. Then I got into high school and went to space camp and all that stuff. And then, you know, then I found out how hard it is to become an astronaut and realized that I probably don't have a chance. But... <laughs> Um, I tried a little bit. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there was no chance. <laughs> okay. What I find interesting is that I too wanted to be an astronaut growing up. I wonder if, was that, do you think that was the dream of every kid? Or I don't know. I mean, it was, to be it, us? I don't know. I mean, did you actually go through with anything? Like, did well, you go to space camp? You had NASA actually around the corner right. from you. We had Senate Space Center. We had the state student space station in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. We had um, well, Oklahoma didn't have a space center. We had okay. the tractor center. Yeah. So no. And I was hooked on astronomy. My dream ended with me saying I want to be an astronaut, and then like as soon as I said the sentence, it was like you will not be. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. it ended. The dream ended because uh, I had no idea how to how, how to get up there into space. So I uh, yeah, that was it. That was the end of my dream. But your 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 dream lasted longer. It did. I mean, it was a thing for me for a long time. Like to like junior high at least, and definitely towards like the beginning of high school. If you could, so just kind of taking a little spin on this question, if you could do your life over in terms of career, mm. what would you do? Would you go forward and be in, try to be an astronaut or would you do something else? I don't think, like I said, I, I just didn't think so many things would have to line up. First, you have to be highly intelligent and I'm not that intelligent. <laughs> you have to be pretty bright or you have to be really well You're politically very connected. Yes, but you have I mean, to you be are, you need to be like a scientist because they don't just send, you know, soldiers into space. They send scientists into space. So like, for example, if I were like I would probably be a good candidate as an SF guy, but as a special forces army special forces guy, but I would probably have needed to have, needed to have been or needed to have had a background in science, like for bachelors or something. So basically, if, if the government, if the U.S. government decided to create a Guardians of the Galaxy, you would join that group. Oh, the Space Force is on. Like 10 years, like, had like you know, 10 years ago, had the Space Force come out, I would have joined. I think I'm too old to do it now, but yeah, I'd be all in. I don't know what they're going to do with that. It's kind of hilarious, but we'll see. The May, ho- hopefully Ambrose will, you know. Our son. Maybe he'll join the Space Force. All right. So that's my question. Do you have a question for me or have a question um, for us to answer here? I, I didn't have a chance to really look, but thanks, Miss Lynn, for that question. That was an easy one. All right. Let's see. Um, how do you over... This is from Beauty in a Broken World. This question's for you, Leah. Oh, You ready? Okay. Beauty in a Broken World. How do you overcome insecurity and what tips do you have to accept yourself? Ha. How do I handle insecurity? How do you overcome insecurity? Okay. Or handle, I guess, if you don't overcome it. I think you overcome it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. And then what, what's the next part of the question? And what tips do you have to accept yourself? Okay. How do you overcome insecurity? One, for me, I recognize that, or I try to find the reason why. You don't always find the reason why, but sometimes some of my insecurities have come from an experience where I was hurt or there was an injustice upon me, something like that, whatever it is. And so I kind of try to work through that and trying to figure out exactly, okay, that is when something from high school or maybe something my parents said or, 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 you know, however I took it. And I try to look through like, why is it insecurity there? And then why have I put my value in thinking that if I have that, then I'll feel worthwhile. And so I think for me, recognizing some of the steps within that is very important for me, for me to kind of like take like an intellectual approach in the beginning and then let it hit my heart. And when it hits my heart, I go and, you know, I get in front of adoration or I'm at mass, whatever, and I realize my worth, my worth is right there in the Eucharist. And when the priest holds up that tiny white host, that's everything. Everything is in there. And my worth and my value is in that. And God says I'm enough. And so I tell myself that out, you know, out loud, aloud. I tell myself I am worth this because God says so. Not because I, I'm, I'm probably worth it because of my own actions or whatever, but I am worth you know, beauty, truth, and goodness in this world because God says so. I think overcoming insecurities, it's, it's almost easier when you actually talk about maybe a specific one, but in general, it's, it's, it's a journey and it's a process. And sometimes it's a lifelong one because they'll come back at you when things hit you or remind you of your past or remind you of that pain or that hurt that you've experienced before. And I've had that happen to me, me plenty of times when I look at myself and I'm like, ugh, I don't like myself because uh, I don't look the way that I used to look. I mean, I just had my fourth baby. And my you look body, great. Well, thank you. But, <laughs> but my body does not look... It's, there are pieces of my body that are not in the same location as they used to be <laughs> four or five years ago. I mean, things are just a little different. And and there there was plenty of insecurities I had in terms of my physical self and how I looked. And I've had to kind of get to this place where I'm like, that doesn't define you, Leah. Like the fact that, you know, your hair or your, your body or the number on the, that does not define you. And you are still an amazing, funny, fantastic daughter of God with or without those things. And it comes into that place of truth whenever you can really allow God to love you. And then you begin to love yourself. And those things will help within prayer and adoration and the Holy Mass, as well as taking account of your environment. Like what's influencing you that may be feeding into your insecurity rather than into the reality of God's love for you and and your worth in him. So maybe the people or groups that you follow on social media, maybe some of them are like enticing jealousy or a variety of different feelings that may feed your insecurity. So you can't feed that. You have to like starve it out through prayer and through, I think, positive self-talk that has helped me personally. So I would say that's one of the things that have helped me. Okay. Um, did I already answer the second part? You did. I mean, you basically gave tips without saying they're tips. So I, if I had to summarize, I would say... Here's Ricky. You said tip number one, know the truth about yourself and who you are in, in, in your identity with God. So, and then number two, I think it sounded like surround yourself by a good people environment. You're talking about a little bit about environment. Mm-hmm. And then... And tip three, you talk about self-talk. I know that sounds a little like psychobabble, but it does work. I mean, no, telling yourself, once you know the truth, telling yourself the truth, truth works. 
just like if you're constantly telling yourself negative things, it's going to make you feel terrible. Yeah. And I, and so. I, as, as you don't know, cause it's in my book and you, <laughs> and you haven't read it. Why are you? Yes. I haven't read <laughs> I your totally book yet. I totally you out on my podcast that you That's did not terrible. read my book. All I right. love you and it's totally the fine. The knives are drawn. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But in I my, will read your book. I just, you, I'm kind of busy, you know? I know. I'm a busy dad. I know, I know, I know. Well, I mean, you are married to me. I do talk about everything. I have no everything. excuse. I have no excuse. I will read your book. Well, I'm Christmas just saying time. in, yeah, in my book though, I do talk about how what we say to others and what we say to ourselves, that inner, inner voice and inner critic at times that does actually play a, it does have, you do have like a neurochemical response, neurobiological response to words that are uplifting and words that are not. So it's not psychobabble. It act like, like you said, it sounds yeah, no, like it, but it is, there's a lot of truth there. And then the fourth tip I would say is the sacramental life that I mentioned. Prayer. Is prayer and the, the sacraments sacramental is, yeah. is making sure that, that and, and that is the way to go. Number one, if we don't know our worth is in Jesus Christ, if we can't look upon him and let him look at us, we will never be able to overcome or handle any insecurity going on. And the fact is that we may handle and deal with these things throughout our whole life. And, you know, frankly, that's okay because Christ is with us. He'll walk with us and strengthen us in that battle. And we can continue to put that cross and give it to him and allow him to kind of carry with us. That's a good answer. Done and done. I hope that answers your question, Beauty in a Broken World. Beauty in a Broken World. Thank you for the question. question. It was good. Are you going to hit me with one now? Do you have, you look like you have one ready. I don't have one. Okay. I do actually, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is, this is from maybe Chris Doyland. I hope I have your name right. He says, I have a question for the both of you. I just recently got married and my husband leaves for training with the Canadian Air Force tomorrow. Sorry, this is Ooh. about eight weeks ago tomorrow. How do I handle the time apart from one another? And what are some things that I can do to prepare for the life as a military wife? Hmm. That's a hard one. I'm not a military wife. I think you're going to, and you know, let's, 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 let's make some distinctions here. I am, we were met, we've been married while I've been in the army national guard. So I'm still in the army, but I'm not full-time active duty. We started dating Um, when you were in the big army. Yeah. And, uh, most of my teammates when I was active duty were married. Let's say about half. I shouldn't say most half were married. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know about this is a hard question. This is hard. I don't know if we're going to be able to answer this from our experience, but I guess um, we've been we through a, a few shot. small deployments. Yeah, yeah, we've been a couple, couple short term ones. Yeah. So yeah, why don't you start? Well, I think. Or is that for me? Is this for, is this a question I think for it's me? For, it's more for you. It's a more of a. No, it's for both of us, okay. Ricky. I think that I think that I can I can say that in the experience that I've had with Ricky being deployed on short term deployments, I've just allowed myself to. And I have kids, so we have kids. So I had that to kind of help me keep myself busy. I had projects that I was doing that that allowed me to kind of keep my mind off of the fact that Ricky was gone or that Ricky may or may not be in harm's way. I don't I don't know. And I wasn't expecting to know. But also just realizing that I was just going to allow God to come into my life and help me pray with it so that whenever I did get a phone call and I was able to keep in touch with him, that I was able to kind of remain calm and just, you know, enjoy that. I know that's probably... Not really the best advice, but for the deployments that we've been on, there wasn't, there's no schedule or routine. And that might be different for different people in different, you know, areas of the military. But I didn't know when I was going to get a phone call from Ricky or not. So it was a little nervous. I I was definitely kind of had anxiety about like when the phone rang. I'm like, oh, is it Ricky? And uh, I always wanted to like tell myself, okay, 
you know, don't tell him about all the all the, you know, struggles right now. Just remain calm. Listen to him because you also don't know how long you're going to get on the phone. But Ricky was always really good. He always like really wanted to know like what was going on. He didn't want just like a no, we're fine. And uh, I with me and the kids, I made sure that I took pictures every single day and kind of created like a collage of pictures that I would send him of like what we were doing each day while he was away. And so that he felt included in our life and that we weren't just going on being like, yeah, well, we'll just pick you up at the airport maybe in a, in a month or two. Yeah. So that's what I was doing during that. I guess I guess it was last summer when you were last deployed. I mean, what what, what about you coming from I, the actual Yeah, I would soldier? say for the husband, gosh, you got to pray a lot. You got to find some time to read and get some devotion time. You know, find even if it's just 15 minutes, find a good devotional to deploy with. If you want a good short brief devotional, you can, the one I use every day is a really good one. It's called uh, My Daily Bread. It's written by the Confraternity of the Precious Blood. And it's it's really fantastic. And it takes me about mm-hmm. 10 minutes tops to read through it, but it's deep. So tip for your husband or for you for a little pre-deployment gift, I highly recommend My Daily Bread. Confraternity of this precious of the precious blood. And I don't know which priest wrote that, but really, really good. And then while you're deployed, it sounds like he's on a training mission. Is that right, Leah? I think so. Yeah. Um, yes. That's a good mission what to be on. Yeah. So it shouldn't be, you know, too. It shouldn't be. It's obviously not a combat mission. So you should really try to enjoy yourself. It's while you're away from home, it's going to be hard, but it's also an opportunity, obviously, for you to train and make yourself a better soldier or airman in this case. So take advantage of it. So, um, yeah, that's good. I guess that's, that's about it. Yeah. All right. Do you have a question? I've got a couple lined up. I'm excited. There was a college one in here I wanted to answer. I can't find it. Did you see that one? No, not right now. Okay, go ahead. Well, then I'll do this one for you. Okay. Real easy one. How do you guys pick your children's names? This is S. Coyle 96. All right. Well, that's easy and that's fun. Okay. So before I met Ricky, I was on a pilgrimage to Italy. I did not lead it. I actually was just attending it. And I was there and I was single and I just feel like my life was just not going anywhere because I wasn't married and had all these ridiculous notions that, you know, my life was just uh, meaningless unless I was married, which is just silly. But it's often a trap that us single ladies can get into. So I was in that trap and I was like, oh, I just hated being in that place. And I was praying a lot in that pilgrimage just for peace and that God would help me enjoy my life that he's given me as a single woman and like, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, right? So I was just kind of, I was slowly moving through that on the pilgrimage. And I would get to the point of going to visit the tomb of St. Agnes. And I was like, it was just amazing. And it was the first time that I actually really heard her story of St. Agnes. And I was like, wow, that really inspired me. If you don't know about it, you should look it up. But I went down into the crypt and where her tomb was. And I knelt down and I prayed. And there's this beautiful prayer on the wall, on, on, on the wall of right next to her tomb. And it's this prayer for chastity. And so I began to pray that prayer. I prayed that prayer. I knelt down and it was just a, you know, those moments when like you really are praying, like you really feel like, okay, I really was fully attentive to, to God and to my soul. And kind of like this, you felt really good about that prayer, right? Like you were actually just present. And I did. And in that prayer, I just, I said, without even thinking, it just kind of came out of my mouth. And I was like, St. Agnes, I give you my vocation. I know my vocation is marriage. I've discerned it. I give you my vocation and I ask you to just take care of it and for you to bring me to the man that will help me get to heaven, that you will bring me to the man that God wants me with. And to honor this request, I will name my first daughter after you. Now, that's a bold statement saying there by myself with that prayer. So I'm saying that prayer. Six months later, I actually do meet Ricky. 
and everything's great. And obviously we get married. While we were, I guess, either, I think is while we were married or it was we when we were engaged. I don't remember the time frame, but it was like right after we were married or we were engaged. I remember we were we were hanging out and we were talking about like kids and the possibility. And we're like so excited about, oh my gosh, this is so neat. And I then it hit me this memory of like, oh my gosh, I promised St. Agnes that I would name my first daughter after her. And I looked at you and I was like, I've got to tell you something. You're like, what is it? And I tell you the story. And when I tell you the story, you were listening and you had, I remember you had tears in your eyes and you, you, I, I thought, you know, you don't. I don't remember tears. I do. I remember tears in your eyes. No way. Definitely. Definitely tears in his eyes. And you had said, mm-hmm. Leah, I've always wanted to name a daughter of mine after Mother Teresa and her first name. That is Agnes. true. That part's true. With tears in his Mother eyes. Teresa. He said it, folks. He said it. I don't know. But you, you yeah, did. Mother Teresa is definitely Mother so for those of you who don't know, Mother Teresa's real name is Agnes. Or yeah. I should say not real name. Her name before she became a religious sister. Religious sister was Agnes and she's Albanian and she's an awesome little woman. Yeah. Um so that's Agnes. Yeah, so that's Agnes. And the other piece is her middle name is Regina, which is my grandmother's middle name. Excuse me, first name. So Agnes Regina. Yeah. For Ambrose, I think we just liked, is that okay? I, I want to get through these. Yeah, go for um, it. Agnes is really the one who had the great story and everybody else is like, we Yeah, we after the first it. kid, nobody's really, everybody just kind of gets, I don't know, you'll see if you have kids or if you have multiple children, you, you know what I'm saying. We greatly care It's not care that we don't love all of our kids. It's just that the first kid gets like all the attention up front. And then the others, as it, as it keeps going, it's just like, by the time the fourth kid comes along, you're like, whatever, man, just don't, just don't kill yourself and we'll be all right. You know, anyway. Smooth um, sound terrible. Well, I'm just saying. Okay. This is from the dad's perspective. So <laughs> you're a much better parent than me. Anyway, Ambrose was named after St. Ambrose, obviously. I love St. Ambrose because he is the Samwise Ganji of the Catholic saints. Oh yeah. Lord of the Rings. That's right. For Augustine. Yeah. And then his middle name is Joseph because he was born on the feast of St. Joseph. When he was born, when you were going into labor, I knew it was a boy. We do not find out. So we, 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 we don't find out the sex of any of our kids. We just let it be a surprise because, right. you know, it's fun. So the night that Leah starts going into labor, it was the feast of St. Joseph. And I was like, oh, I just knew. I was like, it's a boy. And so I knew it was going to be Ambrose. That was really fun. And then with, who's next? Violet, Violet. is her name. She's our third child, Ricky. Right. I know. <laughs> Violet. We just really liked the name Violet. It was kind of a... And that was you. You actually picked out Violet. I could not settle on a name at all. We knew the boy's name. We did not have a girl name. And I just felt like I obviously we really needed one. And you came home and you said, what about Violet? And I said, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I just knew it. I'm like, yes. So that was it. And then when it came to... I like those old names. We do like old names. So Violet. And then we almost named her after your grandmother. This is a funny name. Ione. I own. I-O-N-E. I own. But we stuck with Violet, So, but we, we kept the I own for the middle name. And it was Violet I own. Rose. But then we realized we need a saint name in there because those are just some straight hippie names, I guess. And uh, we decided we need to put a saint name in there. So, Well, that's not exactly true. If you recall this, it was always her, the middle name was always going to be Rose. We were going to do Violet Rose. And after I gave birth, you felt like you really wanted to name the middle name to be after my grandma who had passed. So I said, okay, you sure? And you're like, yeah. I'm glad I think, your memory is, is, I don't, I don't remember this. Oh but. my gosh. I remember it like it was yesterday, like completely, absolutely positive. Okay. A thousand percent. And then 
right then and there, as we were getting ready to sign the birth certificate, you're like, no, it needs to be Ione Rose. So anyways, that's Violet. And then the last baby, our fourth baby, little boy. Victory. Victory. His name is Victory. So his name was actually going to be Victor. And uh, it, we decided Victor. And then when the baby came out, we had Victor at home. Leah just Victory. arbitrarily decided it was going to be Victory. This is not and true. I don't even know if... This is not true. It is true. This is so not true. It was Victor the whole time. It was Victor Vic for a while. For short and Victor. It was Victor for a while. However, however, we had conceived this fourth child on the feast of the Battle of Lepanto, the feast of Our Lady of Victory. Conceived? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, I don't keep track of that stuff. That's a... <sighs> okay, well, well, women do. I tell you, these questions are derailing us because I'm finding out that my husband knows nothing about our children's <laughs> names. That's what this is. This, All this, I know is... This Q&A is I, telling me a lot. It's yeah, giving well, me a lot of answers. Our Lady of Victory and the Battle of Lepanto is where I was like, what can I name this kid after? Like, I wanted to give him like kind of a strong military-esque name. And one of my favorite military stories is the Battle of Lepanto where yeah. the Crusaders warded off the... The invaders. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, anyway. Praying the rosary. By praying the rosary. So it's known yeah, the as Pope Our Lady called for Victory, everybody to pray rosary. the rosary. And they did. And then they, they established the feast day of Our Lady of Victory after the Battle of Lepanto. And so it was shortly before Victory's birth that I had this change of heart. And I said, listen, I love Victor. I think we should go this, but I think we should name him Victory after Our Lady of Victory. I feel very I'm called to sure name him. you just last minute me on that. Did not do this last minute. It was she like... Totally did. It doesn't matter. Anyways, those are our children's names. Agnes, Ambrose, Violet, and Victory. We have our A team and we have our V team. That is what we got going on. Okay, Ricky, it's your turn for a question. Let's go. All right. I'm going to answer this question instead of giving it to you. Okay. And it's the college question. Where is it? You haven't found it yet? I mean, what were you, what have you been doing this whole time? Well, I mean, I found it, but I just can't, I want to remember who the person was. It was, see if you can find it, Leah. It was, uh, the question was, how do you evangelize in college? And How to evangelize in the college setting. My college needs this tremendously. This is from underscore singer underscore memes. Singer memes. It's an interesting handle. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's what they said. So. I, gosh, it's such, you know, maybe we should answer that question in, um, Part of my, because part of my conversion story. So the reason why I want to answer this question is because I happen to have been a missionary with a college ministry called Evangelical Ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. It's now that's when I was in it. It's now called Crew. Some of you may be very familiar with it. It's also the ministry that Focus happens to be modeled after because Focus's founder Curtis Martin was involved with Crew or Campus Crusade when he was in college and was like, "Hey, why is there not a Catholic version of this?" So anyway, that's part of the story of how Focus got started. Good old Curtis Martin, shout out to you if you're listening. And I have a real, I have a real passion for evangelizing the college students because I became a Christian while I was in college. We should definitely save this for my conversion story. And I'm looking at this, but awesome. how about three tips? Awesome. How about three tips for evangelizing in <laughs> yeah, college? Yeah, well, why, why, why don't we give singer memes something to go off? All right, let's give here. them three tips. All right, tip number one: pray big time. I mean. Pray, when I say pray, write out a list of the friends that you're closest to in your sphere of influence and pray for them every day. And then throughout your college career, watch God answer those prayers. Write it down. Watch God answer those prayers. Sounds good. That's uh, the next tip number one. one. So prayer. And then, and more specifically, pray for your friends. 
Tip number two, start a Bible study. Best okay. way to start a Bible study is in, you know invite people to come read the Bible together. You can use a focus Bible study. I'm sure there's plenty of those out there. And then what's tip number three, Leah? Oh, I got one. Since we're talking about focus, go to a seek conference. Oh yeah, those are amazing. And yeah, go to a seat conference. If I had gone to a seat conference in college, it would have absolutely, I know without a doubt, changed my life. Changed my life. They for sure. I went to one, we called them Christmas conferences back in crusade days and they were not nearly as big and they were regional, but the Christmas conference in crusade that I went to with one of my best friends, that prompted us to become missionaries. And so they're absolutely life-changing events. Yeah, they are. They're, it's just they an opportunity really for you good. to get away. And just get with God and, and get some fellowship and um, let God speak to you. Okay. So there you go. Very good. All right. Next question is from Liz White, 56. What advice do you have for couples who are preparing for marriage? Advice for the first year of marriage. Ooh, that's a whole podcast episode. It really so. is. But I would say one of the things that really helped us in preparing for marriage, and let me just say, even that they, they even though it helped us, there were still a whole lot we, we had to just, I guess, figure out on our own. Well, yeah. Let's Let's start with that. Just know this, you're not going to be completely prepared. You won't. I think that it, you're absolutely right. I'm so glad you said that because there's this idea that the preparation's going to be complete. And you're like, yep, I know all there is to know going into this. I am totally fine. We are ready. We have done our weekend away, our engaged encounter. We took that test and the priest said we were perfect for each other. It's great. There's going to be no problems. We understand each other completely. And then you're going to get into marriage. And like day 14 of it, you're going to be like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's accurate. So the things that, that we, that God really brought into our lives, to be honest with you, because I don't think if he had not brought them into our lives in such a way that we wouldn't have really sought them out. One, we actually met with a couple who was already married and they had a few kids already. And we met with them every week for, I don't know how many weeks. For at least for a, a while. Yeah. Shout out to the O'Neills, by the way. Oh, yeah. The O'Neills in San Diego. They were a fabulous couple. And they, I can only imagine what they thought of us when we came walking in and all the things we were, were listening like, to. Look at these rookies. <laughs> they they um, for sure did. They're so cute. They're for so sure. much trouble. They're like, they're so naive. Look yeah. at them. They don't know what they're getting into. And you know what? They're right. They were absolutely right. We were naive. We were rookies. We were like, it's going to be fine. This will be fine. And I'll do this and I'll do this. And if he says this, I'll say this and it'll all be okay. But it wasn't. And they were really good about being honest about marriage. And so seeing another couple live out their marriage, and we met with them each week, they did have a structured video for us to watch, but they also just spoke about real life. And that very much helped us kind of see like... They just speak. They just, they shared their life with us. I mean, we were at their home with their four to five kids. Four kids at the time. It was four kids. They got five now, I believe. And we saw what it was like, you know, we're actually in that boat right now. We're in the same boat they were in four kids deep and just crazy. Um, And they didn't like send the kids off so that they could spend, they just, they're like, Hey, this is family. Come, come check it out. This is marriage. And it was wonderful. Yeah. It was wonderful. The other thing that we did was what? The other thing we did? Yeah. Are you going to talk about? I don't know. Here's one of those instances where Leah is trying to make me read her mind again. Whatever. I thought you were going to talk (laughs) about that. You like, I thought you were going to talk about the next thing that we did in our marriage preparation. I thought you were moving on to the retreat. Oh, oh, I was not, but I can. So segue, in addition to having a mentor couple, highly recommend. Yes. We decided to go out to middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, to this little thing called the Theology of the Body Institute. uh, Institute. They put on 
like four or five day retreats, not quite a week long. We went to one, the topic was love and responsibility by Carol Wojtyla, which is obviously Pope John Paul II before he was... Yeah. Janet Smith taught the course and we... Dr. Janet Smith. Dr. Janet Smith. And uh, we did that on our own. We both yeah. we, we both were like, we saw kind of, to be honest with you, like what the Archdiocese was offering. We're like, well, this is crap. That's right. We didn't like what... We were like, we this didn't is like just the program. yuck, man. So, yeah. We... I don't even know how... Anyway, if you... Or if you are not familiar with the theology of the body, Google it. And if you're not familiar with love and responsibility, Google it because we don't have enough time to go into it here. But great marriage prep material. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. And if you have the time, go to the TOB Institute, do a retreat while you're single, or I shouldn't say single, engaged and you have time and resources, get away and do it. It's absolutely worth it if you can do that. What else for prepping for marriage? She says she's going to be getting married in October. So congratulations. By the time you hear this, you'll probably be married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, you probably are. So, hey, congratulations on your marriage. But however, you can still do those things in your first year of marriage because your first year of marriage, as the question was also talking about, you could you still need mentorship. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not done like whenever you're married. So if there is a married couple that's a few years ahead of you, maybe five or more, I would highly recommend saying, hey, listen, could we meet? Maybe once a month just to share life and you could maybe speak into like where you're at in marriage to us. Just get some fellowship. Right. And that that, that really does Especially help. Especially before kids. Yeah. Well, for us, it does. Yeah. I mean, but the, for the first year of life, also just know that, know that it's, if you guys are keeping up a sacramental life and you're keeping prayer involved in your life, it's going to be okay. And there are moments where you're going to have the enemy talk to you and tell you, you made the wrong choice. <laughs> You've made a terrible decision. And those are just lies. The enemy is going to try to become a wedge in between you and your spouse. And so to fight that, it's good to have people around you who will speak truth to you about the real challenges and difficulties of marriage, but also breathe hope into your life by being an experience of being an example of of a couple that that loves Christ and then staying close to the sacraments. One of the things that Rick united during our first year marriage, which I know has made such a huge impact in our marriage today, is that we did a weekly date with Jesus to adoration. Yeah. That was amazing. That was amazing. And we actually journaled. Yeah, we did. Oh my gosh, it was so wonderful. We got to do that again. Yeah, we got to find that journal. It Um, is so great. We would would put down our prayer intentions together. We would write them down. We'd spend the whole hour with Jesus and it was so good for us. Oh, it's so good not having (sighs) kids. You can just do stuff like that. That's a kind of terrible thing to say. Well, I mean, like for that season, I don't mean, I don't mean like ever having general. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe. It was so good before kids. How about that? Is that better? No, that's actually almost worse. That that actually might just be worse. Okay. We had so much time before kids. Yes. Is that better? That's definitely better. Thank you. So we had so much time before kids. Adoration, date night, once a week was fantastic. First year of marriage, because I want to talk about that too. Let me tell you something, Miss Liz White, 56. No one really talks about this, and we should as Christians, as Catholics. The first year of marriage is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really wonderful, but prepare yourself for some hardship. And that's putting it, it's kind of being polite, if you will, I think. Don't, don't, I mean, don't be polite then. Just yeah, say, I mean, it's, just say it how, how you need to say it. It's really Ricky. hard. It, yeah. And I remember my best friend, mm. 
we Lee and I had gotten into a uh, a spat, if you will, and spat. I think I got kicked out of the house that night. I can't remember. You anyway, I was over at my buddy's house. <laughs> I had to have gotten kicked out because I was over at Parker's house. I was over at my buddy's house. We we're just and I had to like. Sometimes, I gotta, ladies, sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes you get kicked out of your own house. It happens. Well, I think the whole thing is like I wanted space. And I was large and pregnant and I wasn't going to leave. So I was like, you got to go. Yeah. I need space. Leave yeah. Now. Oh, being pregnant's a whole nother thing. That's, yeah. That's true. But anyways, go um, on. Anyhow, I remember my friend, my best friend telling me, he's like, you know, Rick, he was explaining, he was telling me about his own first year or two of marriage and how difficult it was. And what was awesome about it was that it made me realize that I wasn't alone because what happens is you think you might feel like nobody else goes through this. Nobody else could possibly feel this way about their marriage in their first six months to a year. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, it's really common, especially if you're either really young and you're like out of college, or if you're kind of like older and you already got yourselves established before you were married. So first year marriage, as far as advice, I don't really have a lot of advice other than keep your friends close, get some fellowship and prepare to die to self because that's what's, that's what's God. That is what God is going to ask you to do in your first year of marriage. He's going to show you that you need to die to yourself. Yes. I re- oh, you remember that? I, I think you know what I'm going to say. We had just gotten into an- I do not. It was, okay. Well, we had just gotten into an argument when we were living in San Diego when we were first married. And so I left and before we got pregnant and um, I left to go for a walk and I was walking around Lake Murray in San Diego, if you recall that area. Keep going. I don't recall, but okay, keep going. Okay. Awesome. Sounds great. So I was doing that and I was talking to my Aunt Jan and I would talk to my Aunt Jan a lot. And she would kind of like, I would talk to her when I was like on the edge of the cliff, you know, type of a thing. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was talking to her, telling her about like how frustrated I was and this argument that we had. And she just kept saying, Leah, a marriage is dying to self. A marriage is dying to self. And let me tell you something. My Aunt Jan knows the difficulties of marriage and the beauty of it. She is a widow herself. She was married actually for only a few short years before her husband was actually killed in action in Vietnam. And she would she would tell me stories She's like, Leah, I would give anything just to fight with him again, you know? And so, I don't know why that makes me tear up. Obviously, I know why it makes me tear up because it's obviously emotional, but I would talk to her about all those fights and she would just keep telling me, and I, and I would take her advice because I knew this is somebody who valued marriage and, and she... She understood that it is difficult though. And I, she'd be like, Leah, marriage is dying to self. You have to die to self. You're not dying to self enough. And I'd be like, ah, not dying to self enough. And I was so mad on the phone with her at one point because I was so frustrated with our fight. And I said, Aunt Jan, there is going to be death. Trust me. It'll, it'll be, I go, I said, I was like, I'm either going to kill him or he's going to kill me or I'm going to something like that. And I was like, death will happen. And she was laughing. Obviously, I was joking. I hope so. Cause it was I joking. That. It was actually funny. That sounds like murder. No, it's, it's premeditated. Funny. It's totally funny. People like that. Not funny. Anyway, so it was funny. So death to self, you know what we but mean. Not by that. Literally, but not literally. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wait, I want to say one more thing about okay, this. Sure. Go ahead. Um, Cause I see you scrolling through questions again. So another little tidbit to remember marriage is an elite club for selfless people. Mm, remember like this, that. Liz White, and tell your husband this marriage is an elite club. For selfless people. Okay. Wise man once told me that. I never forget it. Second thing, this is advice from my best friend again, when I was telling you about who told me about uh, the first year of marriage being really hard. He and his wife do this. And I think it's a really good little rule to follow if you can. He, what does it say? How does it go? Date weekly. Is that right? No, excuse me. Talk daily. 
Have mm-hmm. a conversation with your wife or your husband daily. Mm-hmm. Like an intentional conversation. Don't forget that, especially for the husband. That's hard for us. Give him grace for you as well. Talk daily, date weekly, get away monthly if you can. You can do that. That's going to, I think it's going to help. Yeah. Good for I us. just, I mean, now, when I, you get kids, yeah, I involved, love the advice, but like that doesn't work all the time. Let's and just be honest. All right. Fine. So, slash number three, just remember marriage is an elite club for selfless people yes. and prepare for it's hardship. Excellent advice. And that works, especially when all of your kids are, you know, out of diapers and no one's nursing anymore and everybody can, like, you know, wipe their own bottom. But before then, you know, you just have to kind of make it all work out. But either way, it's really good advice, especially in terms of like keeping up communication and talking about how you're of what's going on and having people around you that you can let your hair down and not just say, no, everything's fine. I think bottom line, that's kind of really where it needs to be, which is really this kind of same tips you give anybody about their relationship and faith. I mean, I love the fact that we have very good friends where we can sit down and talk about what's really going on. Like, I love the fact, like, okay, our friends, Chris and Natalie. Yeah. We sat down. Do you remember the last time we were able to, sat, to sit sit down with them a year ago or so? And we sat down at the restaurant and um, we all went around and we said, what is God doing in your life right now? Oh, yeah. That was wonderful. I mean, it's just, that's a level of friendship that you need where you can let your hair down and be really honest about what is going on. So regardless if you're married or you're single, you need to have people in your life that will be able to get that deeper level of friendship and want to know not just about you, but about you and Jesus. Yeah, that's it's and you know, it's it's hard to find friends like that, but mm-hmm. you got to do it. You got to find them. You got to be intentional about your friendships. And it takes some cultivation, takes some time to do that. Yeah. But people are out there. They are. They're in your life. And if they're not, then then you then you need to be getting them. a little more social and pray to God and ask ask to be for ask people for people to be brought into your life. Mm-hmm. He will do that. All right. Do you have another question here? I don't, unless you do. I got one from Shelly Dot Soldini. I think we know her. Okay. And uh, she says, "How do you fight? How do you fight? Wow. How do you fight? Oh well, now we fight pretty. It's better. It's a lot better. We used to fight really." bad. That first year of marriage was bad. I think we may have mentioned this possibly in the first episode, but we are, Ricky and I, if you have to describe our marriage, we are two CEOs trying to run the same company. Yeah. We both are type A's. We both are like the first kids in our family. Yeah. We're, we're the oldest children. Yeah. We're just we're both very accomplished people. We're both very strong personalities. You it, see it. I mean, you can, you're probably listening to this right now and being like, gosh, how do these two get along? Right. But, yeah. um, hey, I asked myself the same question. It's a challenge. But now when we fight, I think what's key is when you recognize one party is angry. Escalating. Angry. Yeah. I mean, like really angry. Somebody has to either de-escalate or just take it for the team, like until the anger passes. You know, there's going to be conflict. And what you want to try to do is avoid anger. And because if you're both angry at the same time, that's usually where it gets bad. It's really, really bad. At least bad. for us. Yeah. So for us, that, that's, that, that's been the, it's those occasions where the worst scenarios happen when we are both angry and we don't care that the other person is angry. We're just caring about our own anger and because putting, then, then you're getting hurt and then you might even start trying to hurt the other person. And then if you get two strong personalities, especially it's just war. And if you get one that's a stronger personality than the other, it's not. You're just going to roll the Bulldoze. other person over. So 
Yeah. Recognize. And as you, you know, live together and, you know, enjoy the sacrament of marriage together, you kind of learn more about each other and you'll, you'll start to see where you can de-escalate or where you have to just kind of let somebody just vent or win, you know, and you'll figure it out. It's not about winning because in the end, no, it's never about that. Again, it's never it goes about back being to, right. It goes back to um, dying to self. Mm-hmm. Marriage is an elite club for selfless people. So the sooner you learn that and the sooner you have the ability to just surrender, the better your marriage will be. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times I know, like practically speaking, if one of us is escalating in our frustration or anger, the other person has to back off and back down and just say, listen, I'm not talking about this right now. We'll talk about it when you are calm. We'll talk about it when you cool off or I'll talk about tomorrow. But we just push it off to where we're not going to engage in it at that level. Or right. or I know that we've said before, like, look, if you want to talk about this, then stop yelling. If you want to talk about right. this, then let's let's have a conversation because this is not healthy. Or, I mean, it could even be you. Yeah. Like if I recognize that I'm getting angry and Leah may not even realize it yet because I'm just quietly brewing, I might say something like, I'm very upset by this. I can't talk about this. I'm going to lose my temper. And I might just have to leave or just take a break mm-hmm. and just say, let's just table this into another time until I can gather my composure. And this this is not easy, people. No. This takes like, how long have we been married? Six years. I keep forgetting that. I'm sorry. I just need I, to do some. I don't I'm, I'm I really don't bad at know math. What to say to you. It's only six years. It's not like, well, it's been it 42. Feels like it's been so forever. I don't know. Um, just, yeah. So we're still kind of like newbies. I mean, we're not even journeymen. Yeah. It's, but we, one but thing we've learned. But from our experience, this is what it is. This is yeah, what we have to offer. We've yeah. learned to fight a lot better and it's, it's been great. As to how, maybe some other little tips, I think, if you can avoid calling names, mm-hmm. obviously. Absolutely. Do that. <laughs> Avoid the name calling. What else? Always. Oh, here's what we always do, Leah. We always, always find a way at some point to apologize, take responsibility for what we said or done, mm-hmm. and forgive one another. And it's got to be both people. You just got to agree to that ahead of time. Like when you're both like happy-go-lucky, just make a plan for when you have conflict like ahead of time so that when it all comes crumbling down, you can both say, well, let's go to our plan. Yeah. You know, and then and have a map, have a roadmap so you can get to where you can resolve conflict mm-hmm. and forgive one another and say you're sorry and I forgive you and I love you. Yeah. That's like our three things. I'm sorry, I forgive you, I love you. And I'm like, I'm very big on making that happen. Yeah, you're better than me. I have to have the concrete steps. I'm like, look, I'm sorry. And he'll just look, 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 look at me. He'll be like, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. Do you forgive me? And then I make him say yes. Yes. No, it's good. I'm glad. And you're you're really good about that. Because it's it's an important it I need that too, you know, I need the closure of just saying, Okay, I'm forgiven. I'm very different than Ricky in this aspect. Like for me, I can be in the most heated, you know, fight and then we apologize and I'm like, Okay, good, I forgive you. Now let's go back to the way we used to be and I am I am ready to to move on, like immediately pick back up, let's go. And Ricky needs even I mean, he means it. He means the apology. He accepts the forgiveness and or gives the forgiveness, whatever it is. But afterwards, you still need a little bit more time than I do. Yeah. You just need to like, I don't know. I just let hold the on waters, to things longer. Let the waters settle a little bit more. I have many flaws. That's one of them. I don't know. But it really bothers Ricky, I think, sometimes too, because I'm like, okay, like immediately after a fight, I'm like, okay, so what, 
what do you want to do today? You want to, you want to go to the zoo? And he's looking at me like, we just were yelling at each other. And I'm like, I don't, but, but yeah, but we said we're sorry. Yeah, it takes me a while to like <laughs> process and come down from that. I'm a very passionate person, as you are as well, but I, I just hold on to things a little longer. And thank God that I have you in my life. Oh, I love you too. But, you know, you're really good to me because you, you still go to the zoo with me after a big fight. Yeah. Still do things with me mm-hmm. when you still probably want to just process. Yeah. But anyways, I'd rather it all cut works. grass or something. But, you know. Cut grass. Why? What's you and all this cutting grass? Okay. All right. I got one. Unless what? you got one. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. This is for someone asking about Army SF, Army Special Forces. So I got to answer this one. Sure. This is from Maggie May. Any book or podcast or evangelization recommendations for young men in Army Special Forces? How do you prioritize, balance your vocation to marriage while your vocations both demand significant time and sacrifices that can take you physically away from your family? Hmm. So I'll answer the first one. Maybe we'll get to the second one. Sure. Book or podcast. So if you're, I'm assuming your significant other, Maggie, is an Army Special Forces soldier. Congratulations. You found a good one. We, I, for Army guys, I recommend the book. He may have already read this. Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield. Very good. It's about the Greek war with, or I should say the Spartan war, Peloponnesian war against the Persians when they invaded and they went through the uh, gates of fire at, with the Spartans. So um, really, really good book for soldiers. Talks about leadership, sacrifice, and selflessness. It's a really good book on sort of Western civilization, if you will. It's historical fiction. He'll love it. And as far as a podcast goes, I like Catholic Stuff You Should Know. I listen to that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great one. It's, it, it just depends on... Now, it's kind of a... They can kind of get in the weeds with their theology a little bit. They can get really deep. And I don't know how your significant other is as far as wanting to listen to deep theological stuff. They get really funny too as well, but they can get deep. So if he's not there yet, or if he doesn't like that kind of stuff, it may not be the one for him that I would I recommend. Know. I think still maybe it could, could be because yeah, they, it's good. I mean, they it's are a, so light in the beginning and they have a lot of fun, jokey topics too. So yeah. I don't I, know. And I know, maybe. yeah, they're a great podcast. Another book for Army SF guys, if he hasn't read Soft or Sog about the Vietnam War, that it, just tell him to read some books about SF guys that have gone before him. And he should know this. And you could just tell him to DM me as well. Love to meet him. And then the second part of the question, how do you prioritize balance your vocation to marriage while your vocations both demand significant time and sacrifices? Yeah. Mm, Google Calendar helps quite a bit. We have a... Lee and I are exceptional. And I'll, I mean, in that our, we are both... I am a firefighter, paramedic, full-time in the metropolitan St. Louis area. And I am I got out of the army as an active duty soldier, special forces with fifth group, and I'm now in 20th group with the guard. So I'm going to drill here soon. As a matter of fact, we are extremely busy. And my wife obviously travels for speaking and she writes and she podcasts. We, the, yeah, we the number one kids. thing that we did was move home. Yeah. So move home and move around people who will be able to help you and help you with your life and your children or whatever it might be. And get close to family. Yeah. If you've got good family, you can count on. Oh, I mean, that's what you need. I think definitely family number one. Number two would be communication in your calendar of what you all have to do. Ricky and I utilize Google Calendar a lot, and we put a lot of details in Google Calendar of like what's going on, and we add invitations to others. That might sound like even uber practical, but that really helps us stay on top of what's going on. Because Ricky and I are actually, we're all over the map. Like we're literally all over 
the world map. We are not home a lot and we're traveling a lot. So we need to see exactly like when we're home during that time, what are we going to do with our time and whatnot? And the calendar really does help keep everything together and that we can share and we can see. Yeah. And then you said, how do we prioritize? And I want to make sure I answer that question. We prioritize God first, family second, everything else comes after that. And we're always ready to kind of recalibrate if we need to. Like we might have a schedule, we might have things in a calendar, but if something comes up and we need to adjust, then we adapt and overcome. Yeah, that was the best advice. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received from our friend, Matt Smith. He told us one word, recalibrate. It's like, keep going until it's not working anymore. When it stops working, recalibrate and then fix it and then go go again. And that word has been, for me, I always think of that word. I think of that advice all the time from Matt because it's like we're always recalibrating with 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 every new kid or a new job or a, whatever it is, just making sure it's going to fit our life at that time. Yeah. And coming from the unconventional warfare background, adapt and overcome is big for us. Flexibility. Adapt um, and overcome. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, no, we have is, a very unconventional is. marriage. This is not a typical marriage. This is not a typical lifestyle. Right. We probably and, should have said that in the beginning. Yeah. So advice. I, <laughs> take this advice with a grain of salt because this... You know, we have a really wild relationship and a really wild way of living our life. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that's not that is uh, well. We all we've answered a few. We've tried to answer. We try to get a few more in there, but kind of went long on some of our answers, which is okay. That was good. Yeah, we probably should wrap up. You should we answer in one more, or do you think we should wrap up? If you can find one that's like a quickie. This one is here right here. This is from Claudette Eight. Claudette V Eight. She says, what are the roles of a husband and a wife in terms of having a family? That is not a quickie, Leah. <laughs> the quickie would be like your mom's you, question. How do you live feminism out as a Catholic woman? Nope, not a quickie. Okay, not a quickie. I'll try to answer it really quickly, though. I've already, I've already said no, the question. Yeah, do find something that's no. easier. Claudette. Best I'm, thing about being married. There you go. There's one. I'm with Anna you. Anna.I16. Why can't I answer Claudette? Well, you're the one who said we're running out of time. Okay, let me answer Claudette and then I'll let you answer whoever you your whoever you picked out really quickly. Okay. All right, number one, the roles of a husband and wife in terms of having a family are, they change for every single marriage. In some marriages, the wife works, the husband doesn't. And in ours, Ricky and I both work. And so the roles that we have kind of go back and forth, obviously in terms of like, I'm the only one that can nurse the babies. I mean, there are some roles that are only particular to to a wife or to a mother versus a husband and father. Yeah. And I'm the only one who can fix things. Hey, hey, watch it. I'm just saying. I fix tons of stuff. Okay. Tons, tons. Mm-hmm. You fix our dishwasher? No, because I don't, who cares? Change light bulbs? I can call people and they can fix it. Oh, yeah. Just... Anyway, so there's no one set thing like a husband has to do this and a wife has to do that. I mean, I will say outside if you're like talking about nursing a baby, I mean, physically we know or that. fixing a dishwasher. I did that. Okay, come on. My stop. dad's skills are on point. You did. You did a great job with that stupid dishwasher. Anyways, and then the second part of the question is how do you live feminism out as a Catholic woman? I don't. I live my Catholicism out as a woman and being and living out Catholicism in its fullness is everything I need. I don't need necessarily feminism when I'm living out my Catholicism the way that that Christ calls us to be. And so when I'm living out the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life as a woman, as a wife, as a daughter, as a mother, then I'm embracing all that I need to in life of what God's calling me in that in my particular vocation. So that wasn't that bad. 
That's no. a quick answer, mostly. No, that's a that could be elaborated upon. It totally could be. All but- the isms. If there's an ism, it's almost always a reduction of something. So yeah, I think you answered that well. You know, we don't we're not living out feminism in the context of Catholicism. No. Right? We're living out Catholicism no. and like you might have a little sprinkle of feminism in there depending on what's going on. But and that also word then, is loaded. We exactly. need to define that word as well. Then but, you go back to define your terms, right? What does that mean? Because the way that it was originally put out is not the way that it's seen in the world today. So there's a... Well, there's a lot of different... Variations of the definition. Of feminism. Of fe- feminism. Right. So I think I would assume that, Claudette, you're asking this from maybe a Catholic worldview of f- feminism, which really in and of itself is just living out the faith. And there, you don't need the feminism part of it if we if we if but we really there is something particular to the feminine genius as what pope john paul's absolutely would. but that's so, actually not feminism right it's not so, so that's a, again this is a whole nother yeah. i think you should talk about this in without a different me. in a different <laughs> I don't that might that be a better idea but claudette i just want to let you know i did quickly try to answer your question and now final question from ricky what do we got here final question what, what was the best thing about marriage Best remember? thing about marriage. Yeah, I'll talk about that real quick. Yeah. Do you remember who asked that question? Oh. We just want to give them a shout out. Yeah, no, I got to find it. Best thing about marriage. Anna.i16. Best thing about marriage is watching you and your spouse and your family grow and change and become better people and reflecting on that. At least that's what I reflect on. And so it, it brings me a lot of joy and a lot of hope to see that how our love is manifesting itself in the form of our little family is going to live on past when I die and hopefully bring about a beautiful, beautiful thing in the world with my kids and watching my wife grow as a human and as a woman and as a mother and a wife is just tremendous. And it's hard for me to see myself grow, but I know that I am. So you are, is that a good answer? That's a really good answer. All right. Let's end with that then. Let's just end with that. I don't think I can make it better than that one. That was really good, Ricky. All right. High five. I love you. I love you too. You're my best friend. You're my second best friend. <laughs> Who's your first best friend? Jesus, man. That's right. That's right. That's right. I see. People who know that know that. I see. I... Maybe Parker. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's Ricky. a joke. All right. It's anyways. Anyways. All right. Wrapping up. I cannot believe this. It's amazing. Wrapping up episode two of season six of the Do Something Beautiful podcast. Thank you for listening to us. Answer your questions from Instagram. If you have more questions, go ahead and add them to that post. We might be able to do another Q&A session later on down the road. And then just say a prayer for us because I'm hoping to have a good old Ricky back for episode three. We have a few more episodes before the season ends. What are we talking about the next one? I don't know. We'll figure it out later. All right. We have to get downstairs and deal with the kids. They've been running wild and I just threw some pirate's booty on the floor and let them just eat it. (laughs) (laughs) all right all right my friends remember whatever you do today do something beautiful for god god love you god bless and we'll talk to you later 